Maybe you look like a real asshole. Can I tell you something? She was in highlights in the 80s. I like that you think you're a good guy. He's a comedian. You can say it that way if you want to be wrong. Sounds like you're addicted to a drug. It's just, yeah, you kind of look like you're in a cult. I don't appreciate that. That's fine. Cults are just kind of cool. Uh, have you ever experienced a cult? Oh, you're in a cult, right? No, but I was very cult adjacent through my mom. <laughs> cult adjacent. Well, it's like the like the bullshit like faith healers and crystal shit she would go into. It was a lot of that. Cult adjacent sounds like the title of like a new sitcom from NBC 2021. <laughs> It's like them trying to tap into the newer generation, but not really wanting to go all the way. Yeah, there's like a whole movement in like 2020 where everyone's like, we got to stop being so cultophobic. <laughs> Everyone says cults are bad, not all cults. Some cults are good. Some of them are just about friendship. Oh, that's definitely coming. You can't just talk about the extremist cults. Some cults are just for f- fat people. We just, and those are ce- good. we just want to celebrate cake. Fat people are skinny people, too. <laughs> <laughs> We're so close to that. <laughs> we have like Jordan Peterson like chained up in a refrigerator somewhere, just feeding him shit, like, oh, making him fat. Dude, you know who does a really good Jordan Peterson impression is Terrence. It's he, like he didn't do it last night. He didn't do it. Last, I just heard him do it, and it's like, and Terrence isn't really an impression guy, but fuck, he does the best Jordan. I Peterson. wish I asked him to do it. He last does. Night. He does that like Kermit. The frog voice, and he's uh-huh. like, you gotta make, I can't do it at all. I didn't realize he went in that hard, that he was, like, that big of a fan. I think, I think that where everyone will wind up with Jordan Peterson is, like, a lot of this is ridiculous. And then some of it is, like, yeah, I mean, I was saying to Tom Wisdom about it, and he's like, he's like, yeah, every self-help guy is basically, not basically, a lot of them, the crux of it is, just get, you want to, you want to better yourself? Just get started right now. That is a lot of it. That's like the through line, and that is really good advice. Yeah, um, but you can you can really dress that up and make it seem like kind of um, uh, culty, you know. Well, I think the difference with him is that he tries to like the advice he gives is like set the bar lower than you're setting it now, just so you can clear it, so you can start clearing the bar and then slowly raise it. Yeah, and that's why he's like clean your room first. Sure, because everyone like, can do that. That's a variation on the standard. You know, sure. He's like the crux is like get to work. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I also think that he's he goes way out of his way to be provocative. Like maybe not consciously, but some of that stuff, like some of just like his phrasing is just when he says like the solution to the incels is in in uh, enforced monogamy. Yeah, and he doesn't. And then everyone jumped on that. And if you read into it, he doesn't mean that. No, we... it's an anthropological term. He's talking about socially enforced monogamy. That I like, know, yeah. but he should be more conscious of yeah, the fact I that read, that's. Uh, I don't know if it was a Brett Weinstein thing or something that he linked to about Peterson, where like Peterson's like, he's really smart, but he's kind of culturally oblivious like he assumes everyone is going to understand his references without needing explanation so when they don't understand them he thinks that they're being disingenuous and lying about his intention yeah and it's because he's just so detached from the way most people think and live for sure that makes sense and he seems like a really weird dude uh but i think he has really good intentions and so when he says things like that, he's like, I didn't know you didn't know that. He just doesn't say it that way. Right. But he but he also I don't think he would but it it really is if you're gonna be a public figure and you say something like enforce monogamy, I've never heard of that. Of course. He so, should he should definitely have the wherewithal to understand that's not a common phrase, let alone a concept that we generally talk about or understand. He should be able to explain, articulate it better. But he just there is like there is a very large onus on a public intellectual to to be aware of you like you need you need to sort of be able to address the lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. your maxes. Yeah, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like Neil deGrasse Tyson is really smart. He's like a Princeton trained 
astrophysicist, but he's like very he's very good at talking dumbing to it a, down. Yeah, to dumbing it down. And yeah. it doesn't and I don't think he's sacrificing content. I mean, he's pretty he's pretty explicit about how his goal is just to make science like cool. That if I can like inspire children, then maybe more people will go into the sciences. So it's like I'm not he's not gonna talk about fucking latitude or whatever. You know the the, 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 the big stuff. <laughs> you know, like directions. Yeah. He's not just gonna explain where the North Star. Is. Oh man. <laughs> Speak, is a, Will. Is that a good uh, comparison to uh, comedy, like a stand-up? Neil deGrasse Tyson? No, like uh, speaking to the lowest common denominator. Kind of a trend that you I guys have been that talking that about. That is an absolute. I mean, it's not necessarily. That's the whole idea of being broad. Yeah, and it, are, are comedians intellectuals? They no. can be. I think it, they. Yeah, I think it's a. Maybe they could be, but like a plumber could be an intellectual. Yeah, but yeah. I think Will's a plumber. I think Will's point is that there are comics who like try to position themselves as intellectuals for sure, which I've tried to do. That's yeah. what Drew does. Do you see Drew just announced today? He's uh, HBO specials coming out this summer. Nope. Yeah, I mean, I heard right now he just had a he had his Instagram post, and mm. it, it was just the text of that that he typed into his notes, mm-hmm. and it was like one line was my HBO or my my special will be premiering this summer. Then it cuts to another line, and HBO is just by itself. That's awesome. It was pretty cool. HBO is like that's the biggest. That's the one. pinnacle. That's the pinnacle. It's the highest thing. It's like a star maker. There's nothing higher he can do in <clears throat> in in media for. I mean, you could do like arenas, but like there's no medium he can be achieve higher than a video than HBO. And you're also like having an HBO special is like it means that you are culturally relevant. Yeah. Like Bill Burr is a huge comic. I'm not crazy about him, but I recognize he's amazing and he's like a superstar and all that. Never had an HBO special. Yeah. And I think that's because he's basically like a guy who appeals to like, you know, Joe Rogan types. Well, I also think maybe he hasn't tried. I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe, but uh, what are you smiling at, Will? Is Joe Rogan type an insult? I mean, I think a lot of people, I don't view it as an insult, but it's like, it's certainly like a... Dude, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's a dude. My bro. sister described him that way. I love Bill Burr, by the way. There was a podcast. There was a Joe Rogan episode sure. I recommended to my sister. She's like, Joe Rogan. He's kind of like a dude, bro, isn't he? I'm like, it's still a good conversation that they're having. Is dude, bro, a new thing? I've never heard that. No, it's been around for a while. I made it up. <laughs> it's definitely been around for a while. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think Bill Burr is like, he's a stellar comic. It's just not quite my speed, but I don't disparage him are you like do you have a feeling one way or the other like happy or resentful or jealous of drew i think drew totally deserves it i think that he is he is at like the forefront of like what this what a comic could do with the medium yeah i can't i i can't resent him for that he deserves it are you happy for him um maybe a little I'm I'm more happy. I'm not like ecstatic, but I think it's I think it's well earned. How do you think someone? Like, I think it's cool that he's from Chicago. How do you think someone like Danny feels about it? I think Danny is also probably in a good place about it. You know what I mean? I don't think Danny's the kind of guy who, when people have greater success than him, particularly his friends, that he goes like, "Man, should've been fucking." Me. No, no, I don't think Danny does that. I think Danny's too good of a guy to do that. I yeah. mean, in the sense of like what him reflecting about himself. I yeah, I bet it gave him some pause. I mean, uh, yeah, because as we said, like that's the best thing a comic could hope to achieve is get an HBO special. Well, you know what's interesting is like what's going to happen to Drew after the HBO special? Because like, who are some other comics that have had HBO specials in the last like ten years? Like Louis C.K., Michelle Wolf, Pete Holmes. Mm-hmm. Like Pete Holmes went on to have a super successful HBO show. Louis C.K. became Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. He got to jerk off in front of women. Yeah. <laughs> And then Michelle, his dream. His dream. <laughs> the next thing Michelle Wolf did after HBO special was the, the, the correspondence, correspondence dinner. dinner, which blew her up. Now she has like a Netflix show. She's like a superstar. What's this guy's last name? Uh, Drew Michael. Michael. Drew Michael. He's actually. He, it's actually. I think Leibowitz. 
but it's Drew Michael. Is that right? Yeah, he's definitely he definitely changed it from something very Jewy. <laughs> you guys are friends with him? No, he moved before we started. Uh, but he... No, I I met him a few like I had talked to him a few times, but like we weren't friends. Mm-hmm. He knew me. He had seen me at Mike's and be like, he would definitely. By the time he left, he's like he would recognize I'm the open micer with long hair, who, <laughs> who, li- who liked him a lot. But I don't think he would know my name. Yeah, that was the that's the extent of he's my relationship. He's definitely worth look, like I would I would recommend his albums to to listen to if you're into like good comedy, like like artful comedy. I would recommend his albums pretty much. As highly as I would recommend anyone's ever, with a few exceptions. Uh, it's yeah, it's worth checking out. He also had a Comedy Central half hour a year or two ago. Yeah. How long has it uh, been since he's been in Chicago? He moved in like years. 2012, 2013. Oh, not too long. Yeah, he moved. He definitely moved before I started. He moved within like six ish months of me starting. I always remember. Uh, actually, Terrence was at this with me but uh we got this really shitty late night mic and uh drew michael and mateo lane showed up and mateo lane is like another like pretty big deal new york comic yeah he's done Chicago. comedy central spot like what was the what was the shitty larry wilmore show than that he's he's had late night sets he's like yeah. a comedy seller guy he's like he's gonna do something like mateo, he's this super handsome gay guy really good at stand-up incredibly talented like yeah in all like a facets. performer yeah. it's like he can like sing operatically mm-hmm. And he does that to like he does really funny stuff with it. Um, but so Drew and Mateo walk in, and like I was a huge nerd for the stand-up scene, particularly when I first started. So me and Terrence are sitting at the mic. They walk in. It's the wor- It is one of the worst mics in the city, and uh, <clears throat> everyone's bombing. Uh, Mateo Lane goes up. He does ten minutes. He murders. No one had got anything to work. He just murdered. Drew Michael goes up. He does 10 minutes. He has the worst bomb of the night. It is the, Most of his set is he's just trying to be like, listen, I think Osama bin Laden's a pretty good guy. And Drew Michael also has hearing problems. Like he was like deaf as a child. He what, had one of his of ears, I don't know if he was totally deaf or at least half deaf for a lot of his life, which explains people offer it as an explanation because he's kind of an asshole. He's less of an asshole now than he used to be because he's definitely burned bridges while he was here. I know that much. But I, a lot of people would at least the the lore of Drew Michael's history is like, oh, he got that ornery because he couldn't hear. Yeah. So, but he still has he still has a very hard time hearing. And I'm watching. I this is the first time I've ever seen Drew Michael, and I was obsessed with this guy. I'd listen to his podcast, listen to his album. Like I was like totally fixated with him, and I was just watching intently. But he, for some reason, he thought that I heckled him, and he like snapped his head. Like he's just like. What did you just say? Like, it was just like, and it like filled me with fear. And I stole that. And that's how I deal with hecklers ever since. Oh. Yeah. You just go, what the, what did you say? That's you just ask them to repeat themselves. They don't want to. Yeah, that's a good trick. It works great. That makes me feel worse. What? Just that, worse about me that he has something big like that, which has nothing to do with him. Uh, that you you should also have that or something? No, I don't deserve an HBO special. But it's like, <laughs> oh, I see someone having a serious level of success, and like maybe I'm just not good enough to do anything like that. Who knows? Probably not. Yeah. Not with that shirt. Well, I thought the shirt was like a nice change. It's got something on it. <laughs> Feels like you'd be giving me a hard time for wearing shirts that have nothing on them. <laughs> I wear shirts with nothing on them. Yeah, I wear them. That's 99% of what I wear. It's just t-shirts, solid color t-shirts. They look, I think they look nice. So are you going to move to New York? I don't know. You seem like, I was pretty drunk last night, but it seemed like you... If were... I start doing stand-up again, I feel like it would not make sense to do without establishing a plan for moving within like a year or so. That's exciting. <laughs> you know, I felt some excitement from you guys after the last episode. Oh, you missed the post podcast podcast we had with McMahon. Yeah, it was a better conversation. We should we should not have turned the mics off. <laughs> well, I mean, we said a lot of inflammatory things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, it very much felt like yeah, there's no point in staying in Chicago <laughs> to do stand up if the goal is to do stand up. Like there's nothing. There's nothing here. Like what's here? 
I haven't done everything in Chicago, but I've done enough of it to understand what everything is in Chicago. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of the history of the scene, correct? That it, it's just a jumping off point to moving. Yeah, and then you look at the guys Absolutely. who stayed, yeah. guys like Danny, guys like Burke, and maybe one or two others, and it's like, why didn't you leave five one of the craziest years ago? Things. Or like someone like we've talked about Sheehan, like, should he have left? Would he be the same now had he moved seven, eight years ago? Who knows? But I just remember McMahon being like, <clears throat> Danny set him down at some point this year. Danny Callis, who is like, do you know Danny Callis? No. He's on our show. He's amazing. He's like, he's incredibly funny. He started Comedians You Should Know. He he was always referred to as like the mayor. Yeah, I described the, him as the mayor. Yeah. And he was the guy. Remember there was that uh, Southside dude who was fat named like Skippy or something? Yes. And Danny I do remember Danny. Yeah, Danny's great. Or someone heckled Danny about his cheese cup joke. And yeah. Danny yeah. handled it in this like, yeah. it was like, it was beautiful how he handled it. And he like repeated the joke, but then referenced her in it. It was just like the funniest shit. Danny's amazing, but Danny's quit. What? He's quit. He's well, been gone he's for at a least, while. He's at least on a long hiatus. <clears throat> yeah, because he'd been he'd been doing. Danny could have moved to New York like six years ago. When Drew moved, basically, he could have easily Abs- have moved. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but he just didn't. He stayed in Chicago. He kept doing the same stuff every day. I remember. I remember when Drew left. Uh, there was a podcast. That they did at Laugh Factory. They only like two episodes. It was called like Above the Laughs or something. It's probably good to hear. Uh, and it was Danny with Mike Stanley. Oh, I did hear that. And the it was right around when Drew left. And the topic of conversation was focused on comics staying versus leaving. Because Stanley was leaving too. Yeah. And, and Danny's thing was, well, if good comics stay here, we will have headliners here. And that'll mean industry will have to come. And he has a point. Like if, if Kinane... And uh, Drew and Hannibal and, like, two or three others said, we're going to live in Chicago. There would be some semblance of industry to accommodate that level of talent. Why? There's no shortage of talent on the coast. You think that you, – you think you just by being good and staying somewhere that you can there would shape ha- culture? There would Yes. There would have to be a cl- – like, they would have to get those club spots. That would change the draw of clubs, which would proliferate into smaller clubs opening up for newer comics. I think it's a nice idea. I don't think it would ever happen. I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but like Danny's vision, like it had merit. I would and love I think, if it did. And I think Danny was at least married to that idea because it meant he wouldn't have to leave home. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I mean, I'm. I'm. I've got to be way less attached to Chicago than Danny, but I fucking love Chicago. I don't want to leave Chicago ever. Sure. I like I might have to at some point, but it's Chicago's the fucking best. I got schwa. Yeah, what does New York have? Fucking Danielle. Well, there is a, it's really the industry. I mean, it's show business. That's kind of what you guys are talking about and, and That's why people leave. Yeah, I mean, cuz there's other things aside from the clubs that you can make some money doing. Yeah, there's no film industry here that yeah. you could do comedy work on. You can't write for shows out of Chicago. You can write for uh, Chicago Fire or Chicago PD. I mean, here's the thing. Chicago is a great city, but culturally it is not even close to as potent as New York. Yeah, agreed. It's just not. Like, I look at – I read the Chicago – I'm upset. I read all the Chicago Tribune food reviews, and I read a lot of the New York Times food reviews. And both of them rate their restaurants by four stars. And there are, there is like, I think there's five or six restaurants in all New York that have four stars. And they are like heavy hitters. One of those is considered right now to be the best restaurant in the world. A lot of restaurants that have three Michelin stars, of which we only have one restaurant in Chicago that has three Michelin stars. There are three Michelin star restaurants in New York that don't have four stars in the New York Times. We, get, we have restaurants here that get four stars that I don't think would get two stars in new york based on how strict they are and i think and to me that's very indicative of the level the the heightened level of culture the heightened level of density the heightened level of effort that occurs in that city because chicago is like it's not to say it doesn't have great stuff it absolutely does and part of how it doesn't have that figurehead status i think what makes it like charming and makes things like schwa possible or like junior stopka possible but i think at the end of the day New York and probably L.A. too, but I care more about New York, are just 
incomparably more potent in terms of talent in every field other than hot dogs <laughs> and pizza <laughs> yeah i think they, they, no, I, I think new york has pretty good fucking pizza yeah, yeah. and they have really good hot dogs you like you, you don't you think new york pizza is better than pequa's pizza <laughs> i think pizzeria bebu is better than pizza pequa's pizza you think like average like i i don't know i've never been to new york so i don't know like your average new york slice is like the average New it's York fine. Slice. Yeah, it's, it's not, not bad. Great. It what? is it is a good like street food. Oh yeah. I, I mean, mean it, and it's also cool to be in Manhattan where if you go to a restaurant and entree is like going to be like on average $15 more than it would be here even mm-hmm. if it's not that good. Whereas you can you can go anywhere even in the richest parts of Manhattan and you can get a decent piece of pizza for $1. <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool. Um but I mean, but the I, and again, I haven't had it but I'm pretty sure if you get the real stuff in New York, like if you if you go wait in line at one of the places, it'll blow your fucking mind. All right. Because I've had I've had pizza in Chicago that is like like at Bebu they have this a pizza called the O de Ruby Rosa, which is a pizzeria in New York, mm-hmm. and that's the that is easily the best pizza I've ever had, and I can't imagine how much better it is if you actually go to fucking Ruby Rosa. Fair enough. How I do you- think our hot dogs are better. <laughs> Are you, and Italian beef is a great sandwich. Are you tempted to go? Yeah. To visit or to move? Def, I'm within the year. I'm going to visit. Just to visit, see Terrence again. I mean, there's some restaurants I want to go to. Definitely want to see Terrence. Very upset he's leaving. <laughs> um, get some spots. You think you get some spots? Yeah, I could get some spots. I don't. I mean, right now I don't feel like doing any spots. I'm doing Terrence's going away show tomorrow, and I'm dreading it. Yeah, but you said you had an amazing time on Monday. Yeah, but that's because that's a show. I did this show, Master Debaters, on Monday, <laughs> uh, where you debate, and I just don't take it seriously. Uh, but you don't need to do material. Like you, ju- it's it's to me. I take view of that show as I'm just trying to fuck around and ruin the show. You never need to do material. <laughs> There's no rule that says you have to do material. I know you're right. I know. Like you're technically right. But you also know, like, oh, the I fallacy know. in what you're saying. Exactly, I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. But I also know that I'm correct in saying you don't. If you don't want to do your act, you don't have to do it. I mean, we both agree it's not very good. <laughs> 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 so you could just fuck around and do what you think is funny or what you what makes you laugh, like calling the buff dude in the front row gay. Yeah, that's funny. I did that a lot. As soon as and master debaters, as soon as I um. At any point that I was like, I would get an applause break or something. I picked out this one guy and I'd be like, "You're fucking gay," <laughs> and then it would just turn everyone away. It was great. So you could figure out a way to do that on every show if you wanted. Yeah, I mean, I think that I hate. I really, I have a few jokes I like, but overall, especially some of the things I depend on, I hate. Hate so, it. So throw them out. I'm going. I, yeah, I have to throw them out, and I think. If I'm going to do stand-up again, if I'm going to enjoy it, then I just have to do stuff that's, like, funny. Figure out – because I'm, f- I'm a funny guy. You are. Uh, <laughs> I don't like admitting it. so gay. <laughs> you are. You're <laughs> well, uh, Like, off stage, you're way funnier than I am. <laughs> it's, fr- uh, it's frustrating. <laughs> uh, but I enjoy doing that a lot more than doing stand-up. Stand-up just feels like it's fun to get, like, the adulation. Do you know – what you find funny and what you enjoy? No. Well, you said the thing yesterday that I really that really delighted me, where you said that your sense of humor off stage is like it's you're like borderline intolerable, borderline inaccessible, borderline inaccessible. like it's you're very specific because you you were saying like if you don't understand who I am and where I'm coming from, like this is you you have no idea where why this is supposed to be funny. You don't understand that I'm even joking, and yeah. so. Because we were talking about Drew last night, and Drew's his his anecdote of Drew bombing at that mic, which was Rockwood open mic hosted by Keegan Buckingham like four four years ago, yeah. which was a garbage open mic. Mondays at like eleven, uh, is Drew's thing at mics was to bomb. I don't know if it still is, or if he even I don't know the last time he's done an open mic. His goal was to bomb as hard as he could, and I think you Max, you'd listen to the podcast where he described it where. Drew always does really edgy stuff, like purposely edgy stuff. And at a mic, he's trying to find where's the line drawn 
and let me try to go a little past it. Yeah. And his where his success comes on shows is he knows where that line is too far and he goes one step in front of it and that's where he lives is where they are he's not quite going to lose them but he very much dances with the possibility he will and that's where it kind of gets intensely funny where it's like he's not supposed to be saying this but we're going to tolerate but it. he has to hit that that like resonant pitch right before he says something that's so, so offensive. offensive yeah but he has yeah. to know where that line is drawn he has to know what is too far and you have to figure out your version of that. When will I be too annoying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then dial it back just a tiny bit and live there. Yeah. I mean, that sounds fun. That, talking about that makes me want to do stand-up. Because I hate just talking about like being like, man, I look sleepy. And <laughs> I know. It sucks. I f- fuck people, but boy, is it dumb. <laughs> I know it sucks. Ah, Those how are... many punchlines can I fit into this? Is there a thing? <laughs> those are good bits. <laughs> you write those down. <laughs> but do you know what you like to do? I like annoying people. Okay, that's the thing. Like, there's a fine line between annoying mm. and funny. It's like <laughs> really, like, very close. Yeah. To being like, you could just be annoying for mm. a while, and if you commit to it. Enough. I think it turns into funny sometimes. <laughs> so the opposite can happen too, where you yeah. can be funny and then you do it too much, and it's like, stop. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up. That's why I'm trying to read my book. <laughs> Is that your faggot? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just like Bobby Buds. I don't. You just you said that last night. I don't know if that's true. Who's that? Did Who, I say that? I don't even remember. Who's that. Bobby yeah. Buds? I, was pr- okay. I got pretty drunk. Bobby Buds is um, a guy. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe Bobby Buds. Uh, when I first started, I described him as like the scene mascot. A lot of people have said that. Uh, and he was the kind of guy that every comic loves, but no comic wants to book. And it's changed. He's definitely getting booked in the last year or so, maybe two years. And he's definitely improved to the point where it's totally bookable. Just, he's totally bookable. Um, but and he, he's a great dude. Yeah, he's a wonderful guy. I've but like it was, always loved him. It was like this blue collar caricature of, I mean, this is just his personality. He's like an, he's like a blue perpetually fourteen year old guy who loves Adam Sandler movies. But is also, but is also sort of aware of the fact that he's in this like woke <laughs> bubble. Yeah. And 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 he pushes buttons there, but and he's stupid. Yeah. And he mispronounces words, you get things wrong. But he mm-hmm. also does like wordplay jokes, and it's like it's kind of awesome. Yeah, it is. There are elements of it that are really good, but you there's this constant debate of are we laughing with or at him, which has changed in the last few years. But those first like four or five years, there's a lot of I can't tell which one we're laughing. Is like, it with like, or at? Here's a typical Bobby joke would be like. Bobby has been hosting the Shubas Open mic, one of the oldest mics in the city. For a, he might have been the longest running host on it. I th- at this point, I think easily. <clears throat> yeah, and like every single time he hosts that mic, he says, "Remember to tip Amy, your bartender, but, but don't but, tip her gore." Yeah, tip her well, <laughs> but, but don't tip her gore. Like that's what of that's a Bobby it's not classic. Really a joke. Yeah, it is just an observation of a pattern. <laughs> but it's it is funny to just say Tipper Gore's name, <laughs> or like uh, um, he has. Well, this is actually a pretty good joke where he's like, uh, I recently um, I did the Kinsey scale test, which is a test to see how uh, on a scale of zero to ten how gay you are, and it told me that I have autism. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good joke. <laughs> it's not like inefficient joke like you got one punch there you got a little bit of a setup yeah but but that's that's the stuff i hate about stand-up but i don't think you're a buds i don't think you're someone that is doing something so character focused that it requires you to be on board with your personality but i really like telling people they're gay so then maybe you have to become that yeah well, that's why I always defended Buds when people would be like, he's he's never going to figure it out. Like, he has something that most of us don't. He he is a character, and that is more than half of what this is. Yeah, that's certainly what McMahon's doing. Yeah, well, McMahon, I, th- I was thinking about McMahon the other day. It's like he plays both ends of the spectrum really well. Like, that's why he's so good. He can write a great joke, but he can also riff and has his character down pat. Yeah. And... 
Like, I can write a good joke. I can't do that other stuff. And someone like Tim can riff and has a character but can't write as good of a joke. Yeah. And it's like Joe plays both ends of the court really, really well. So maybe you just need to figure out how to be a character, how to be you. Yeah. I have no idea what I want to do or on stage anymore. how to not be you. Yeah, if you could figure out how to be a better version of you that is unattainable offstage. Well, my, my stand-up is truly not like myself. I can see that. It's real. It's really nothing similar. It's it's me trying really hard to do like a facsimile of what I think like a New York club comic is. Hmm. Uh, well, I said last night like that's pretty much what everyone does. Is the yeah. first several years you're just doing an impression of what you think stand up is, and a lot of people do an impression of their favorite comic. I've seen that, and there used to be a trope like this was before our time, but that your first for six months or a year everyone's doing Hedberg. Then for six months or a year, everyone's doing Louie because these are your influences. These are the people that made you th- want to do stand-up, made you think stand-up was good. And so you're just emulating what they sound like. And it takes you years to figure out the craft enough to figure out, well, I, now I just know how to write a joke. What if, what if I did something that I want to do? Yeah. I don't know. This feels like it took a really somber tone for no reason. <laughs> I think I'm probably going to wind up doing stand up again though. I think I am too. I just I don't know cuz I've been right I've been like making notes again for the first time. Like I took notes last night. Uh and I've been what making did you take notes on. Uh we were talking about relationship stuff and the idea that not wanting to hang out with that person every day. Oh yeah. And I was like, "Oh yeah, observations that, like secrets I keep from Becky." I've just like have kept a secret you went to Schwa. What? Because we went to Schwa last night, and Becky wanted to go to Schwa. And she I... wasn't upset. I told her, like, weeks ago, I'm like, uh, we were going to go, but now Max wants to do, like, a going-away thing for Terrence, so he's going to have this other comic come. She's like, that's fine. I probably didn't know if I was going to get off work anyway. Yeah. Like, Becky does not get upset about shit like that. Yeah, I feel like I like Becky, but, it like, last night was, like, a pretty rabble-rouser, like... Yeah, that would, she, it would have been, it been a weird It would have been a weird situation. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't smoke. She doesn't get high. Yeah, so we went to Schwa last night, and we were the last table, mm-hmm. and we brought, like, we brought four beers and, like, a really shitty bottle of, like, like fucking cider, cider champagne. Yeah. It was disgusting. It smelled like a fart. I, I just picked it out because I thought it looked cool. Um, <laughs> and so we finished those quickly, and they're like, don't worry yet. Don't, don't try to drink your beer slow. We got, like, a whole bunch more in back. And then they just kept giving us random beers. And then, like, a cook would come out and do shots with us. And then at one point, I went to the bathroom, which you have to walk through the tiny kitchen to get to. And, like, half the guests and all the cooks in the middle of service are all just smoking giant blunts. And then they just passed me, the, like, one of them passed me a blunt in the circle. I'm hitting that. And then another one passed me another blunt. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I've, I'm sorry, I've already got a blunt. And he's like, yeah, but you just got here, so you were lapped. Wow. And this is just on my way to the bathroom. And then <laughs> this after, is actually like course four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then after, like, and we're just, like, I have no idea how many beers we had. They just gave us these random, like, strange craft beers. And, like, I drank most of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, had, I, I did not have very much at all. Yeah. <laughs> and Terrence and I had been, like, drinking at a cocktail bar before. And it was just, like, the coolest night ever. And it was just, like, you know, was, that place is dope. Yeah, and all those great. guys look like bums. And then afterwards, we, like, stayed and talked to them for a while. And they were, like, we were doing shots with them. Yeah, it turns out they got their walls painted by the dude. What's his name? Revi- his street name is Revise. Who yeah. Hit, who painted Kimsky. Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah I yeah. guess he's part. Like, and I heard that, and I was like, I like Kimsky. Yeah. <laughs> Me. I go there a lot. I yell about it. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it's a wonderful meal. Very goofy food, though. Like, that, like. That that is a meal I don't think like there was one our friend Sora went with us mm-hmm. and like there was one course where he's like I loved it I thought it was delicious but Sora was like I don't like this at all he took one bite and he's like I do not like this and I see where he's coming from it was banana cream parmesan with, with parmesan and a nori crisp you know what nori is like the seaweed you get on sushi yes they made a crisp out of that huh <laughs> <laughs> banana cream. Yeah, like a banana cream pie filling, but like a really oh, yeah, good yeah, version yeah. of that yeah. with some very sharp Parmesan on top, and then interspersed in that was like a crisp made of nori. It was the cheese course transitioning from the protein to dessert. Yeah. And it was like, it, 
It was intense flavors. It yeah, was, it was sure. challenging. I, I loved I, I it. I love Parmesan a lot. So I love Parmesan, too. I mean, I loved every single one of those ingredients. I would have never thought about putting any one of them together. <laughs> yeah, any two of them. Any two of them. <laughs> it will any one of them. Yeah. You know. <laughs> no matter where you go, you got to be you. <laughs> Send more out. <laughs> <laughs> So was that uh, that was that his first time at Schwa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they def- recognized Joe and I. Yeah, they definitely seemed to appreciate that we had been there before and were there not long ago. Yeah, and they were really proud of the fact. It's like, oh, you guys weren't here that long ago. We got like it's all new, right? Yeah, everything was new except I think the soup. There was like a couple yeah. things, and I-, I was expecting maybe one or two things to be new. Yeah, there was like eight new things, and they were fucking awesome. Did you have to get tickets for this? No, you Not just make tickets. a reservation. You just make a reservation okay. in advance. But the place only holds like 20 people. Yeah. You call them. I mean, if you make a reservation for like a week or two out, you can get whatever time you want. I definitely felt weird when we first walked in about how high we smelled. Well, yeah, we smoked, like, we smoked a giant joint. Um, in the alley right before walking yeah, in. Yeah, like right before. Literally, like we smoked a joint and walked in. And and I I knew right away like everyone was staring at us but like a lot of the other people they were also smoking weed and and it was just kind of this cool thing yeah and it felt like once we sat down and like everything started it's like oh we're totally fine but there's no there's no restaurant like that I know like there's just no you can't go to a restaurant walk into the kitchen and everyone's like do you want to get high with us during service and then. And all the cooks are, like, these, like, fucking bum-looking guys. These, like, metalhead, like, burnout. Like, they they can barely speak. They're all so fucked up. They can barely walk. When they explain the courses to you, you have no idea what they're talking about because they're so fucked up and they're just screaming at you. And then – but then the food is world-class. It is the only food in Chicago that can touch Alinea. Yeah, it's very similar in quality, if not the same as Alinea overall. I would say it's it, it is right there. I would say the primary difference between if you only look at the food, the primary difference between Alinea and Schwa is that at Alinea, the references are extremely familiar. Well, at least that dinner we had. Sure, but every single every single course was basically like, oh yeah, it, it's springtime, so we'll have morels, asparagus, and tr- and like an umami thing with that. Or we're, like, there's like a pizza puff thing. There's a banana split thing. There's like the flavors are so recognizable. Where schwa is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Schwa is like we're gonna take flavors that have no business being together and make those work. The the references are gonna be alien. In the individual components, like yeah, you know orange sherbet, but you would not put orange sherbet with olive. Mm-hmm. But it turns out like sweet is good with salty, and that's a really strange kind of sweet, and that's a really strange kind of salty, and they're both very intense, but together they balance. And you didn't think it could balance. And then that, so you're constantly getting these experiences of like individual components are giving you like triggering those like memories of like, that's what I thought orange sherbet was. But then when they interact, you're like, it's like this like psychedelic, like metallic, like fucking with all of your, uh, your reference points for what food is. You've thought about this way more than I have. (laughs) It's incredible. I think it's one of the best restaurants in the country. It's got to be. Well, I think it absolutely is. We I haven't been I, to that I, many. So. I'm so frustrated how slept upon it is. I think it's this like beautiful why, why secret. Why are you frustrated? Because I think that Schwa should have a PBS show. I think it should have a four-part documentary But then series. it would no longer be what it is. Yep. Has it been on Check, Please? What's Check, Please? It's that PBS show where Abs- it's, I mean, it's a no. Chicago thing. Yeah, it's no. Chicago. Thing. Well, I maybe I don't. But know. like, if it had oh, more, dude, notoriety. you gotta watch. Check, sorry to interrupt, sure. Joe, but you, you definitely look up Check Please because uh, it would be. I mean, pe- I right watch, up your alley. I can watch food shows all day. Yeah, exactly. They just take four do random Chicago ones. I don't know. Check Please was definitely from like the '90s and like early aughts. Yes, where they would go around to local places in Chicago. But just uh, four or five random people, and they each pick a restaurant for the other ones to go to, and then they they review it, and then some people shit on other people's restaurants. And oh, that's tight. Yeah, it's really good. I like to be on that show. But I'm no, saying... it would be perfect. <laughs> but if if Schwa had the kind of attention and notoriety, you couldn't just say, "Hey, can I get a table tonight?" For sure. I mean, and they would have to. There's this like beauty. About they would have Schwab. to like charge more money, or they would have to go to a different venue, like a larger venue, because the demand would be so high. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's this. There, 
it's got a real junior stopka like vibe oh yeah where it's it, like it definitely says faggot is... all the time absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> number two and it's like and it's gross and it's never gonna succeed That's... but it's great at what it does and it... it's beautiful and it's doing some of the highest art of anything i've ever experienced sure i agree that's why it, it's punk rock, you know. You don't want to super punk rock. You yeah. don't want to get popular. And it's incredibly punk rock. That's one of the things I like the most about it. And you, you'll have certain courses where it's like, this is borderline um, offensive. Yeah, this is yeah. It's borderline <laughs> offensive. It's borderline unpalatable. But it's right below that, and then it just like sings. It's like it's kind of like what we were talking about. It's with like Drew a Drew Michael. Michael. Yeah, where it's like they like. Like there was this dessert. Are you have you ever had lychee? Uh, no. Lychee, it's a, like it's a Vietnamese fruit. It's extremely sweet. They make a lot of drinks with it. So it was a lychee sorbet, and it was on top of these things called sea grapes, which are kind of like like roe. They're like little bubbles that kind of like they're, they're like squishy. they're almost tapioca. Yeah, almost tapioca like balls, but those are coated in a extremely strong black licorice. Oh yeah. Flavor. So lychee is extremely sweet. Sea grapes are really weird texture, and black licorice is so bitter and awful. But and then there's saffron on top just to make it kind of like herbal. And all in like all of these things need each other to even uh, for them to any one of them on their own would just totally overwhelm you. They'd be like it would be unpalatable. But together, if you get just the right bite, you're like, oh, that's fucking dope. But you're riding a line the whole time. Like it's it's challenging but it's also incredibly delicious that was the dessert course last night that was one of them that was the first of the two and then how how uh early did you make reservations i made them last week oh okay yeah and who knows if i could have got in it's definitely best to go late though you gotta go yeah last time we went at seven this time we went at nine and it was definitely a better experience oh it's the best you're the last table the cooks start to relax they're all fucked up they drink with you yeah they were all fucked up (laughs) one of them in particular was like really fucked up (laughs) like could barely speak and he's making he's making like incredibly refined food it's just like what the fuck is going on how is this real you can't get that out of your head the whole time. How is this real? I get it. I just don't. I'm surprised. I'd be curious how long guys stay there. Oh, not long. Because I like you can't do this more than a year or two. The chef at Entente did it for four years, and he's considered to be like a legend because he did that long. Yeah, because he made it four years. Most people stay there for like a year or two. Yeah, exactly. Like it's so. I think in- a lot of people would get fired immediately. Well, or it's leave so immediately. intense. Yeah. Like, the cook from Oriole said that uh, he's like, when I was at Chua, I learned a lot. It was the best learning experience of my life. But they would ask me to do 100 things, and four of them had to do with cooking food. They'd be like, it would be the middle of service and be like, can you go get us whippets? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big-time cook thing, I think. Whippets? Yeah. I love whippets. Because it's so accessible, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's, like, short. Like, you do them, and you can just get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> Great restaurant. I love the idea. God, if if I was nineteen and I went to Schwa, I would be like, I need to. I would do that thing that that intern here did, where I would just be like, Listen, you don't need to pay me. I, I don't know how to do here. anything. Just let me, just let me help and be around this. But they don't have a wait staff. No, no. It's just the, it's just the guys cooking, coming out and serving you. And they kind of got frustrated. They were getting frustrated with Terrence because the other table kept talking to him. The uh, cooks were the Brian Johnson looking guy. Why was he getting frustrated? Because uh, he had to like introduce the course, and he was like waiting for Terrence to turn back around from the other oh, table. He's like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. maybe you guys can fill him in on what I tell you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of fuck. I remember I gave him my beer at the beginning of it, and he's like, "Slow, all down. right, yeah. easy, dude." <laughs> <I was> like, what? <laughs> he was probably just fucking with me. Maybe was that Terrence's going away party? Yeah, essentially, kind of. it's like I mean, my version of a going away. party. I don't know if he's doing one after what cash. No, he's not. He had a party last week. Sure. Uh, yeah. Are you going to go to Wet Cash? No. What are you going to do tomorrow night or Friday night? I usually just go to bed early on Friday night. Oh, because you got to work in the morning. Yep. Is it going to feel? Are you going to feel weird after Rat Pack tomorrow? Yeah. Are you going to cry? <laughs> he sounded so menacing. Say goodbye to your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I'll feel weird. I mean, there's just nothing you can do. It's just like a weird thing. 
It's like college ending. Yeah. And it's stuff like that is so strange. Where you just like uh I don't I don't know what to do about something ending. You just um it just does and you and it it can't I feel like my experience with things like that ending uh no matter what scale whatever they are it's like it can't help but feeling painfully anticlimactic. It winds up the time passes just as it would on any Tuesday. You know. Like I went to uh so we mentioned last week this comic Schwa Schwan. Schwan. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I've been worried about mixing that up the whole time. Uh, this comic Schwan died last week, and there yeah. was a his memorial, like not just like a comic fuck around get together, but like a memorial was done at Laugh Factory last night. So I went and hung out uh, at that just until it was time to go to meet up with him for for Schwa, and it was this really weird tone of no one like no one knows what to say. And okay, I get a gay IPA. And people were like, some people were upset. Some people were just like there to be there. And I remember talk, I was talking to John Norman, and he was kind of like a little upset, and also because he was going to speak and he didn't know what I was going to say. And there's just this feeling of everyone's trying to be extra nice to each other, and everyone's very conscious that they wish they were a little bit different with Schwan and just people in general That's like interesting like that tone of like uh you're never nicer to people than when after someone just died like someone said that to me and i know exactly what they're talking about like you like i i brought this up last night like when shapiro died i'm like why didn't i watch that stupid guitar video he sent me three months ago that yeah. he kept asking me about just like i didn't want to but like it would have been a nice moment for him and just like be a friend like it cost me nothing to do that and so thinking about that when someone dies you reflect on well i could have been this way and maybe i should be this way going forward but the more i've experienced that finality the death specifically it's just you absorb it and move on and it becomes like the landscape of your life and so when someone leaves it becomes less and less climactic and it becomes more just more of just what your life has become that has led to the point where you are and it starts to feel like I should pick a different like not a different direction but pick a direction and go for it harder yeah because it every event like that just amplifies the finality of it all Mm-hmm. that everything is fleeting so make whatever it is you're doing now more in line with what you think you want do thing like avoid activities where like like on monday i i had like one of it was nothing actually bad happened but it was one of the most like depressing days i've had in years uh and it was it was basically like i woke up i like had a shitty meal Mm -hmm. um and then i like played this one engrossing video game for like nine hours uh and and i woke i I got out of it in like a daze having not ate or drank any like water and then i had this master debater show which i was dreading Mm -hmm. uh and then i went to portillo's and got like the worst like depression meal (laughs) ever sounds so good a bird shed on me yeah like an italian beef cheese fries a chocolate cake milkshake um, I've never had a cake shake. And I was listening to Elliot Smith the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then, uh, and it was like the most I'd, uh, it's probably like some of the strongest, like, like suicidal feelings I've had in a long time. Oh, now I understand you. Uh, <laughs> and, but then the show was really fun. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh, you can't just, you can't just do these activities. Like, you can't make the crux of your life just doing these activities that are meant to, like, fill time. Like you can't even like that video game was really fun, but just the 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 act of like playing it, and then waking up and being like, where am I? Like, what did I just what just happened to the time? I did that for nine hours. I know. What the fuck? Like, I feel like you gotta avoid stuff like that because that was a big part of my conversation with Santiago because I had therapy yesterday before meeting before going to Sh- uh, Schwa's thing and then going to Schwanton. <laughs> I did it again. Before going to Schwanton's death thing and then going to Schwa, I had therapy before that. And a lot of what we talked about is I saw Becky and I uh, went to see the Mr. Rogers documentary. Heard it's amazing. It's very sweet. Um, and 
it really what he talked a lot about was how much he hated kids media and he want he resented what it was and wanted to make it what he thought it should be and so I'm like, well, instead of talking about resenting culture, why don't I talk about what I like, try to uh, embody what I think culture should be? And I'm really not sure what I think it should be. And I also, so I talked about that, which also made me feel like I should do something again. And also inactivity and in relation to like how I've been eating. Cause like my diet has totally changed the last few months where it's like 80 ish percent of the time I'm eating really well, but then I indulge on something like schwa or Pequods or something like that every, you know, once or twice a week. And I wish my relationship with time was that way, where it's like I can sit down and watch a stupid video game and be like, I should stop doing this. I'm not even having fun. And then just do it for another four hours and without realizing, like, without letting myself – I just let myself off the hook. Like, I don't have to get up and do something. And I wish it was – I was productive 80% of the time, and then I used that as a, like, to justify now I can indulge on the portillos of the internet and right. just fuck around. It's And it's just, I don't know how to get myself in that headspace to do that. And that's kind of what made me think, like, really think about starting to go to New York, where he asked me, like, why haven't you gone? And it's like, well, I'm afraid, and I'm afraid of blowing up my life because I have a safety net here. And that really made me think about if I'm that afraid of something, maybe that means I should try it. Because yeah. I don't want to look back 30 years from now and be like, why didn't I do the thing I was afraid of? Yeah. Because that's what really scares me is like, I ha I know how to live here. I know how to exist the way I, ha I have been without risking anything. Like, I could, like, I don't have to work for another, for several years if I don't want to. I have enough money saved up and I have a safety net of my dad if I really need something. If I go to New York, I don't have a job lined up for me. I don't have money I know I'm have coming in. Like, it, I'd have to totally work for something for the first time yeah i mean i i've had a lot of bad experiences doing stand-up but if i'm being honest like probably the best period of my life was doing stand-up uh why i think because you're constantly exposing yourself to like struggle mm -hmm. and new things and things you're afraid of and like instances you're afraid of and people you're afraid of and a lot of times those are going well and they're registering as like new experiences and they're whereas just the idea of being someone that just like plays video games and eats at night re nice restaurants <laughs> do you know what I mean like that stuff is guaranteed to you know like you're gonna get a trickle of dopamine from that it's designed for that, and it's yeah. very safe, mm -hmm. and it's predictable, and you can plan it out. And like, like when I go to a really nice restaurant, I like every detail of like even how I get to the restaurant. I stress over, sure, because I'm like I want to ensure that this works. With stand up, you're like constantly having these things where it's like I'm gonna try my best. I don't know what it's gonna be like this time. I'm gonna keep trying new things. I don't know if they're gonna work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think what that creates for you is like like an incredible amount of like like moving towards fear is like nothing produces more well novelty like necessity is the mother of invention if you put yourself in the situation where you need to adapt you probably will and it's it's not even a matter of like adapting and becoming good although obviously that's what you're thinking about at the time but it's also like the yield of that is you wind up like meeting the most interesting people you've ever met having like the coolest sex mm -hmm. uh like doing like like having the weirdest nights just like stuff like that and it's not guaranteed and most of the time that won't happen but it does happen pretty regularly sure and it does happen in this way where that when people who don't do it see you they're like oh my god like they they're they're tremendously jealous of you yeah like, but we're also tremendously jealous of people who have a more stable life are you i mean i would say okay like i get that way people are definitely jealous tremendously though like when i see a guy i've i've had uh like three or four like extreme instances of this where someone who is just like a regular dude like gets like a glimpse into the way like a comic lives mm -hmm. uh and they're like oh my god jamie and like they just they get this like wistful feeling of like lost feeling of like well it's remorse, like a uh in a way and it's like when a comic sees a guy who has a family they don't go like 
Well, one of the, well, the comic is living like a child, and everyone wishes they could live with like a child. But and the other person is living like it's an adult. It's not just like a child. It's, it's also like a pirate. Okay, which is just a different character from Never Neverland. Like that's all. Sure. You, well, that's Never Neverland is. is different than a child. It's not dissimilar. Yeah, I just think that like child is a child. I hear what you're saying, but I think that that language is. Um, diminutive in a way that isn't actually reflective of the reality of the situation. I think there's just something about like sometimes I'll run into Tony Yaramillo. Sure. And we met and we've known each other for years. We always have a nice little talk and I have a million people like that and maybe we'll wind up going to a restaurant. Maybe someone will have some like cocaine. Maybe like maybe we'll like meet girls. Like maybe we'll uh, like wind up getting booked on some weird show. Like something like that stuff is constantly a possibility and it's like when you're just when you're just trying to placate yourself from like the fear of like maybe this isn't going to work out all that stuff it's like that's a worse way to live i think i think philosophically you can like i can agree with you that's the worst way to live but i think when you get bogged down in the practicality of life it's there's a real appeal fuck the practicality of life why because practical because you can't plan the future no, because all all embracing practicality does is just give you this dull sense of safety. Yeah. Security, so you're not worried about the future. Yeah. And, exactly th- and there is something to be said for that. Exactly. Absolutely. There's absolutely something to be said for that. But I think that there's a lot more to be said for fear. In favor of fear? Yeah. For... What you lose in embracing that safety is a real, it's th- a real spiritual loss. I think you lose that adventure, yeah. and I think it's something you are going to regret more on the back end. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's, That's I, what, I don't think it's a commensurate one side or the other. I don't think it's like a polemic. I think that, at least for me, like I don't think I'm one of these guys that can just like I'm making more money than I've ever made. I'm I'm eating better than I've ever ate. I'm like I'm in a really safe spot, and it's worse. Well, like okay, my my best friend from college, Mike. Uh, he they had their second kid, I think, on September in September, uh, and he has a job he doesn't really like, but he loves his family. He's got a really nice, you know, pretty nice house in the you know far suburbs of the city, and. I think he's overall very happy with his life. And I don't think 50 years from now or, you know, however long he lives, he's going to look back and be like, God, I wish I stayed making movies. Are you sure? Do you really think that? Pretty sure. Or are you just addressing your own insecurity? No, because I've I've had this this conversation with him where it's like he loves, like, he's like, you don't understand what it's like to have kids until you have kids. Like, it changes everything. That's fair. Yeah, I can't really speak to that. So, it's but a- it's hard for me to believe that every once in a while he doesn't go like, I don't know. I mean, he does definitely have that creative itch every once in a while, but like, not enough that he's thought seriously about going back to it. I do think that kids are something really special. Yeah, like I do think like you talk about adventure. Like I think kids are it's its like, own adventure. It's, it's a real yeah. adventure. It's a real like that's like, I think if you're not going to try to like chase something you should really have kids because just being a person that goes through life is, yeah, yeah who who is safe and goes through life and like has all their needs taken care of and can just like you know can hit the buttons that make you go to the nice place that costs money mm-hmm. that just like stuff like that and you know you can do that and you do it and like a steady rotation like that's bad that's not a way to be sure that is not sustaining that's not. I don't care what you fill into those slots. I don't care if you're going on wild vacations. I don't care if you're fucking doing extreme sports. Like if you're just fucking hitting buttons to give you like like predictable, safe sources of like joy, you, you're gonna you're gonna wind up in bad shape. I agree with you. I think that kids have like a built-in like struggle to them. I think that there is in tremendous fear. Well, everyone's wor- kids. yeah. Everyone, every reasonably. Uh, moral person is like worried about being a good parent. 
For sure. And there's a lot of struggle that comes I think that. there I mean, are I don't think Will feels people. that way, but <laughs> Yeah, Will is a monster. Yeah. I mean, he I mean, he's here recording this podcast every week. He has kids at home. <laughs> Sometimes my daughter says, "Can you skip recording?" <laughs> That's the best thing you've ever said. <laughs> God, that's fucking funny. Oh my God! If only that could be a bit. Sorry, I gotta go report this podcast. No one listens to. <laughs> recording. Oh my God, Will, that was brilliant. That's because she's selfish. <laughs> selfish fucking five-year-old faggot. Does she listen? She should listen to the show. She should. <laughs> Uh, that's probably a good note to end on, right? 